0: and sign up today. You're listening to The Portrait System Podcast.
1: When we first started The Bridal the bridal Boutique, we we rented the space right next door to my portrait studio. And I started researching more what boutique meant because I always thought of it as a noun. But if you think of boutique as a verb, it's creating something that is so special that you don't need a lot of it to be satisfied. For me, the best way forward for me personally with my energy and I know what I feel best taking on, it was to create something where I could work minimally, I could put out the best work I could possibly do and have the most amount of profit coming back to me because of it versus putting all of that out just into small things that were just eating up my my time and space.
0: Today's guest is Emily with Emily Jane Photography and also with White Willow Bridal Boutique. And it's important for me to mention White Willow because Emily not only grew her photography business from the ground up, but she sort of morphed it into not only a photo studio, but also a wedding dress boutique. And she was so smart and efficient with the way she did it. Emily is just a true example that you can turn your business into whatever you want it to be. She went from growing up on a farm, doing physical labor, to like bringing her dreams to life with such a beautiful feminine brand in a business that she's very successful at. But it's not like Emily had the smoothest start to all of this. And in fact, Emily and I had a heart-to-heart back when we met in person many years ago because she wasn't even confident that she was able to get her photography business off the ground at all. So here she is now with this amazing business and she shares with us how she did it all during this episode. Okay, let's get started with Emily Jane. Hey, Emily, how are you? Hi, Nikki. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I haven't seen you in a while, so this will be a nice catch-up for us. Indeed. Yes, (laughs) I feel the same way. You just have such a really beautiful story, and I know that you have incorporated another business within your photography business, and so I can't wait for you to tell people all about this because it's... It's really cool. And sometimes I look at the photos of your studio and your space and everything you do, and my jaw just like drops to the floor. It's so beautiful. So I'm really excited to hear how you did all of this and to share your whole story.
1: Thank you, Nikki. Yes, it's definitely been an evolution for sure.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, why don't you start then from the beginning? So just take us back to when you first started photography or, you know, what you were doing before photography, really. So, uh, well, I guess
1: a, a big part of who I who I am and and kind of where my my work ethic has come from was that I grew up on a grain farm uh, in northern BC, Canada. I just yeah, I kind of learned what it took to to take a an idea and and get it to fruition and to to just work really hard at, at what you what you need to do and to follow dreams as well.
0: I would imagine that on a grain farm. I mean, that's like manual labor like you know on top of the business side of of the work that I'm sure your family yes. did like that's a lot of work.
1: Yes and it the the thing was though it, it was a dream. Uh it was a dream for my my parents. We immigrated to Canada when I was 4 so that my my dad could keep farming and so I was kind of a part of of their dream growing up. Anyway, I left for, for university and um, did that whole piece. And the funny thing was that when I graduated from university, my, my family bought me a camera And I was not going to university for photography. I was going for kinesiology. But as soon as I had that camera in my hands, my whole world changed. So I actually started my business from my parents' basement. I remember putting my website together and just working on editing images in their basement and migrated to the living room after a while because I was doing it all the time and I was just never seen. (laughs) So
0: you you never planned on photography whatsoever. So you were into like kinesiology, and okay, this makes me sound really, probably really stupid, but is that dance (laughs) related?
1: So it's the study, it's the study of human movement. Okay. Growing up, I was a dancer. I loved dance. I thought that that was going to be my path. Mm -hmm. And so I thought going that route would be the best for me. And I was going to get into physiotherapy or something down that that route, but I was just, the artist in me was too strong. Uh, I had to do something with art.
0: Wow. So, okay. So then you were given the camera and you just started going for it.
1: Got the camera, started going for it. Uh, It definitely wasn't my plan to ever run a business with photography. It was just kind of my, a love, a hobby, but people started noticing my work and started asking me to to do photo shoots for them. And Mm -hmm. I, I just kind of had to start charging finally. I was like, oh, I'm starting to do this way too much. Like I have to make some money at this. right?" And I remember my first photo shoot, I charged $95 um, because I just didn't know what to do. I had no business background in it or, or anything. So that was my start. Anyway, that was my start in photography. And I just kind of kept building, building a portfolio of anything and everything when I first started, as many photographers do. And shortly after, I met my now husband, uh, Mark, and... I moved to Prince George and I was in his mother's basement <laughs> when I was working away on some images and really just burnt out to the bone trying to go back and forth between where I was living, which was Dawson Creek and Prince George, which are four hours apart. For people who want to get an idea of where I'm located, uh, I'm about an eight-hour drive north of Vancouver. Okay. And uh, when I started my business, I was another four hours north of that. So I'm quite northern Canada so yes and I was in his mother's basement and I saw Sue Bryce for the first time in a creative I've, creative live ad and that was when just magic hit and as many people can understand when they see Sue Bryce for the first time you know in a moment your life's changing It's mm-hmm. it's pretty cool
0: yeah so true So true. You know, real quick, you had mentioned you were feeling really burned out. I know you said you were going back and forth also, but charging $95 for a shoot, did that contribute (laughs) at all to your burnout?
1: Oh my gosh. So by that time I was charging about 300 and it was still like, I'm like, why is this not working? Like everybody else around me is charging $300 for photo shoots and how come they're not (laughs) burning it? But I mean, everyone has different life situations too. And I was, I was just looking to my neighbor as to, kind of what what people were charging and I wasn't really understanding the full like how much business costs to run. And especially if you want to do this full time, you have to approach it extremely differently than as a hobby.
0: Well, I wonder too, if maybe you just didn't know if they were burned out. True. They might've looked at you and had no idea that you were just feeling like, okay, this is not sustainable when maybe they were feeling the same way, but everyone's like, well, they're only charging 300. So I guess I'm only charging 300. And it becomes this like, that's why I think it's so important when we have discussions around what industry standards are and how we need to make sure that that people are charging at a level that is considered industry standard that is much higher than $300 because we know that's not sustainable. Very true, Nikki.
1: You're totally right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like we have to set the bar. We certainly do. Okay. So you, you learned of Sue.
1: I learned of Sue. So, and at that time it was kind of a, okay, Emily, you're going to have to get a job or you're going to have to figure this out. Like, what do you, what do you got to do? And I really trusted, I trusted Sue. I trusted her story. I could see that it made sense. It was definitely like far out of my comfort zone at the time, especially because at that time I felt like I was the only person that was, that would be trying to charge a more what I now know is an industry standard, but I started following her and started learning, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give it a go. Like, what do I have to lose? I, what I have to lose is I just go back and find another job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I started photographing my in my kitchen. My husband would move our table out of the way, and and he had to pull our chandelier up high so that I could get underneath it in our dining <laughs> right. area. And uh, I started building a portfolio as to what Sue was, was teaching. And I actually remember standing outside. I had to stand outside on our deck to be able to photograph people because our dining area was just so small.
0: Oh, right. Um, <laughs> Talk about making it work. So it
1: totally had to make it work, but we only made it work that way for a little while because it was getting to be far too much. I mean, our, our house isn't that big. <laughs> so um, I started renting a hotel room and I actually ended up renting a hotel room for these photo shoots for a year. But I have to say, the very first, the very first photo shoot I did, and I sold with the with Sue Bryce's method. I sold it on my kitchen table, and it was I went from a maximum at that point. I maybe sold a six hundred dollar portrait session. That was the most I'd sold to date, and I sold the very first Sue Bryce kind of method photo shoot for eighteen hundred dollars on my kitchen table and I was like this is this is a game changer like I I'm in Sue like <laughs> t- teach me everything so yeah I ended up continuing on photographing for a year after that in a in a hotel and just hauling everything in and out and in and out. And um, it worked really well for a while, but I was primarily shooting boudoir, and it worked really well for me because I was also shooting weddings. But I was realizing that women were coming to their image reveals and saying, I love these portraits. And I was trying to mix in a little bit of the, the subai portraiture in the very small corner of the hotel room that I could, and that was my always my favorite part. But they were saying, there's just not something... There's not enough here that I want to, to put out and display for people. So I was really like, okay, I need a studio. Like I need to get into more of the portrait side of things and less into the boudoir side of things. As much as I, you know, really loved empowering women and body confidence, but there was something drawing me to to more of the portrait side of things that wasn't filling me up. And then I, I, I saw that Sue Bryce was hosting one of what well, I believe, it, I think it was one, maybe one of her first in-person workshops and you were there at that one, Nikki. I still, I was working on with debt. Like I had built up some debt because I just didn't understand the how to price properly. Anyway, I, I couldn't afford to go, but I saw this and I remember messaging Mark and I said, I have to go. Like there's, I I just got to go. And I remember I was the very first person to register for cuz I was I got <laughs> that awesome. email confirmation you are guest number 1. Um, but I was like I am not missing this and that weekend with with all of you and I'm still good friends with so many of the women that went to that workshop. It was it was life-changing for me. It was a community finally where my language was somebody else's language and mm-hmm. I had a place to to be. And I think anyone who's attended anything of, of Sue's in, in-person workshops, it does, it changes you. And Nikki, you and I were sitting at dinner one night and I was asking you about your studio and if you found that it made a big difference. Because at the time I was, still, I was under a year in a new city where I knew less than two people when I moved here. And I was like, <laughs> taking on a lease? Uh, that seems like pretty far for me right now. And you just said to go for it. Like your confidence in me was just so certain and so on. I just went with it. (laughs) And so I got back and funnily enough, the, the stars aligned that a building that I had had my eyes on and I went to see a space twice and... Couldn't afford it, and um, I knew that that was like a dream to be have a studio in there. And funnily enough, when I got back from that workshop, uh, the landlord messaged me and said, Hey, like just checking in again, we have someone leaving. Is this something that you'd be interested in? And I was just like, Yes,
0: wow, (laughs) let's do it! Isn't that amazing when your intentions change and your energy changes? How it's like, Here you go, you know, it is. Yeah, the universe is a funny thing, it really is. I remember, I'll never never forget sitting, sitting at dinner with you. We are at that long table. And yep. I remember kind of being like, dang, am I being too direct with her? I think I had a couple glasses of <laughs> wine by that point. Like I was just like, Emily, listen, like your work is amazing. You're so likable. You've done the work already. Like what is getting in your way? You are like, I remember being like, you just can, you can do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I needed that though, Nikki. Like it was, I needed someone to see what I... I don't know. I just needed I needed that uh, affirmation that I was ready. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's nice to have that affirmation. I mean, it would be even better if we could just give it to ourselves, you know. <laughs> right. Like, I know. But there are times when it helps to have someone that you know a different set of eyes really kind of look and see, like, okay, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, and someone too who has been on the journey, like you. You'd been on the journey, and I'd watched your journey since the very like I was on a very similar track to where you were. So you knew my path and that's why I trusted you so much because you had walked it.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. I remember when you got that studio too and you you had messaged me and you were so excited. And so, okay, so, so you get the studio and then were you freaked out? Like, oh great, I have this rent now or. I, (laughs) I had a major, I had a major
1: breakdown the day before I got the keys. And I had a friend come over and sit with me because I just didn't want Mark to, <laughs> to see how freaked out I was about this decision because I was trying to be as calm and confident as possible. And we were only maybe we we're about a year into our own relationship, so he didn't know me that well. And it was it was terrifying. I said like if i if I don't make this work, like this is going to be hard. Like I'm in trouble. <laughs> and okay. she she just reassured my uh, her faith in me, and we just talked it. I just had to talk it out, but the the minute i i stepped into that studio for the first time it was it, i was meant to be there the universe said like this is yours like you have to you have to fly now and it was no turning back after that
0: yeah wow that's so incredible tell us about about the space and did you have regular clients mm-hmm. at that point
1: well, I can't say that they were regular, but by this time, I had been in Prince George for just over a year. People were starting to really get to know me. Uh, I had belonged, I was a dance teacher at a local studio, so that was great for me. I was getting involved just with different things around the community. So I was starting, my name was starting to kind of pick up a little bit within certain groups. So for me actually starting, it, it was fantastic. I remember like our first two months blew me out of the water. I couldn't believe what like the transformation that it it made to what I was able to do because I had a space and I wasn't having to move everything all the time. But the space itself, it, it's in this beautiful, it's in this beautifully done, very old fashioned looking, a little bit European building in Prince George. It's quite iconic for Prince George. So it definitely stands out. We've got these big, beautiful windows. But when I walked into the space, like I definitely had to use my imagination. I had to cover holes in the floor with carpet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the walls Mm -hmm. were all pink. I had to go in there and paint for days with white just to try and cover everything up. There was really old ratty carpet in there and stuff, but I didn't have the money to change anything other than paint. So actually, I think I'm pretty sure the landlord paid for the paint <laughs> if, I, <laughs> nice. if I did it. So I had to put in the sweat labor to, to do the paint. So it was definitely not the space it is today by any,
0: any fraction of the word. Yeah, I just love your space. And now, well, we'll talk about that later, but now what you've done to it to add on to the business is just, it's absolutely incredible. But Okay, so I just want to talk a little bit about pricing and packages and what are you offering people, or back then at least, what were, what were you offering people? Did you have an average sale and what did that all look like?
1: Yeah, so when I, when I started, when I opened the studio, my minimum collection or my bottom collection was 1800 My top collection, I believe, was 3500 And uh, I would say at that time, like our average sale was about 24, 2400 2500 in our first year and then it slowly kind of climbed up as as the years went by. <laughs> a few a few years then. I I think by year 3 we were at 20 2800 average. However, I was still using the you can buy just one if you want to. And I think when you're starting out, that is a wonderful way to do it because people don't feel the pressure of having to commit to to anything. So that was that was our original structure starting out.
0: So for just for people who are listening who might not know the basics, you know, of the super kind of pricing business model. And then, you know, you can just get one. Tell us a little bit more about that. The way
1: that, the way that we started out was it was a session fee. So I believe people would pay $325 to have the photo shoot done. And then when they see the images, they can decide what it is that they'd like to take home. They can choose to take nothing. They can choose to take one. Or the minimum portrait collection at that time, uh, I believe I had it at nine, so it was nine for eighteen hundred. I could have that wrong, but it was somewhere around there. So we had people sometimes choose collections, and we had people sometimes choose just one or two. The difficult part for me with that, there was a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing about it, and a really tough thing about it because when someone sees it, the pricing, and they're like, well, well, this is great. Like I'm not held to anything. I'm just gonna come and do it. You're building your portfolio, mm-hmm. uh, you're getting your name out there, you're meeting people, you're getting people falling in love with what you do. Even if they just take one or two, it's still making a huge difference for your business and building up your portfolio. But the the hard part with that is is that when they're just taking one or two, it it can be it, it adds up to being a big hit to your business. So you you do have to get really good really fast to make sure that people are buying collections and not just one or two.
0: Yeah, some people, a lot of people do it that way where, and, and I think that's how Sue always did it too. Well, back when she, you know, now she's just one price and has been for many years. But yeah, I think a lot of people do it that way. It's like a safety comfort feeling. I never did it that way though. I was worried that people would just buy one and I didn't want to spend all my time doing that which is funny because yeah. i was so nervous you would have think that you would think that i would have done it that way because my confidence was not that great but for some reason i was like no if someone's going to come in and do a photo shoot either they're going to buy nothing or they're going to spend 1200 like that was my mentality. And so it, it can work either way. Yeah,
1: it can. It can. And I think for people who are wanting to build a portfolio, I think it's a wonderful thing. However, if you have a really strong skill and you're coming into the Sue Bryce model with a really strong skill set, where what we're doing now, and it sounds like what you're doing too, Nikki, is they have to commit to a minimum collection purchase. Right. And that has made a huge difference for us with with cash flow, just being able to predict what money mm-hmm. is coming in. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. That's been super helpful for me too. All right. So then from there, I mean, were you just taking on a ton of shoots all the time or, you know, what was, from there, what happened?
1: Yeah. So from there, word just kind of spread and I was just starting to shoot and shoot and shoot. And I, I mean, I was just in my, in my zone for a while. It was a beautiful place to be. However, at the time I was, I definitely learned the lesson of, when money comes in, like, are you able to keep it? Because <laughs> for me, I was suddenly making more money than I'd ever made in my life. And there was a part of me that's just like, I just need to give this back. Like, I I don't, I, it was hard for me to hold on to it. And so I'd be putting it into our studio wardrobe and putting it into props and putting it into extra things for each client for photos. Like, I just wanted to keep giving it back back. And I didn't realize how inefficient I was being with my business. And I was also burning out again, <laughs> because I was like, okay, well, I'm not quite making what I personally want to make. And I'm, you know, charging what I, I should be charging now. So I was like, okay, I, I've, I kind of feel like I need something else too, because I wanted to have, I wanted for me, like I, I love photography. I absolutely adore it but too much of it. And I just, I, I was saying to you, Nikki, like it, it's a bit like eating cake. I love cake, but too much cake just doesn't make me feel very good. <laughs> right. So I had to say, okay, this is how many shoots a month I feel really good doing. And this is how many shoots a year I feel really comfortable doing. Because also with us in the North, we deal with seasonal depression and it's, I I feel it quite strongly. Like my motivation just go drops considerably in the early year. And also it, it affects other people around us too. And so I was finding that our winters were quite challenging with the business. So I said, okay, I want to shoot minimally. I want to shoot really well and put everything I have into every shoot I've got and just make clients exceptionally happy and make me happy. But I want to have something where I can rest from photography so that I can refill that part of myself. And that's where, at the time, I had my uh, assistant who just happened to come from the bridal world, and I was getting married at that time. And I realized that there was a a missing piece to the, the puzzle up here in the North for contemporary bridal. Contemporary bridal dresses, sorry. And so we had this idea of, hey, this would be a perfect thing to bring to the to the North because it's not here. Girls are traveling down to Vancouver to find these dresses. It very, very quickly happened that we expanded to another lease space in our building and uh, built a, a bridal boutique.
0: Okay, so let me get this straight. <laughs> I just love, I love this so much. And it's like such a like a girl. Well, okay. I shouldn't say all girls, but some girls, it's just like a fantasy <laughs> of just wedding dresses and photo shoots is. and like, it's yep. just, it's so cool. It's, and I know that's not everyone's fantasy or whatever, but you know, it's, you've created just such a beautiful space and a beautiful business. And then to add into this wedding dresses, it like gets even, it's, it's even more amazing. And I love, it's so smart as a business person well, first of all, identifying that you can only shoot so much before you start to feel overwhelmed and yes. I'm the same. Yes. I'm the same. If I if I have too many shoots back to back, I feel it. Like I'm just I don't enjoy yeah. it. Like I have to space it out as well. So, one addressing that and two thinking like, okay, how can I supplement this? Like what else can I do that, you know, addresses my creative side and brings in the income or whatever? And then to look at what was missing in your area. I mean, have you always been a, like a smart business person in this way, or you know? Well, <laughs>
1: I'm a I'm a little bit. Um, oh, what would
0: what would you call it? I'm a bit of a serial
1: entrepreneur, so uh, <laughs> my my ideas for for business are just never ending. And uh, I'm sure we can talk about this later. But I def, I'm I mentor women in business now, creative women in business, and it's not not just photography, like all sorts of different creative businesses, and. Sue was actually the person when we had met Nikki with another another group that one time, they identified that in me mm-hmm. and, and said I needed to be really careful with it because, you know, you, you can only do so much. So for me, putting that energy now of all these ideas and ways of doing things with different systems, putting that into other people has nourished that side of my brain that I can now focus in on these two businesses that I have without running in a million different
0: directions. Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. So how how do these businesses complement each other? How do they work?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it was actually a bit of a surprise how well they fit together. Like it's peanut butter and jelly. It's so, so amazing how well they fit together. So when I first started the bridal boutique, so our two businesses were right door to door next to each other. So from about September to the end of February is when bridal is really busy because people are purchasing their dresses for the rest for the summer for the most part. And then our photography is super busy from around eight. April to the end of September, so the seasons of their their height is completely the opposite. As soon as our kind of our portrait season starts to die down, the bridal picks up, and so it it beautifully matches our our energy um, as well as the the time of the year. And also, so I have my portrait business running on Sundays, Mondays. And then I do obviously at homework during the week with prep, prepping the images, et cetera. But then our bridal runs Wednesday to Saturday. So it's very, it, it feels like two very different things, but they complement each other extremely well.
0: Right. And especially you said during that seasonal depression time, I feel like that might help a little bit when you have like so much positive energy coming in. People are getting married, oh, they're excited and you get to, you know, just huge. deal with the beautiful dresses and it's cool, yeah, huge, and
1: it's a very different. It's a very type of different type of energy that goes into those appointments. So, and the neat thing is, uh, Sue, Sue taught me how to start a portrait business. Yes, but Sue taught me a lot more than that. Like Sue, I feel like anyone who has who has this inkling to to start something like you take what Sue has taught you and it it applies to everything. Mm-hmm. So her her business sense transferred onto this business as well. It felt like starting this business was 10 times easier than starting my portrait business because I had already done the work to figure out how I needed to present myself and present this business.
0: Yes, absolutely. That makes so much sense. Okay. So when you decided you were going to open the bridal salon, did you rent another space next to yours or is it in the same space? Yeah, so when we first
1: started the bridal the bridal boutique, we we rented the space right next door to my portrait studio. And I didn't realize at the time how well these businesses would blend. I thought it would need to be open all the time or, you know, just running completely differently with a completely different schedule. But we actually managed to pretty well utilize the same team, which was just me and one other assistant between both businesses. And so anyway, for the first three years, that's how we did it. We, we were in the, the one space and it, it did, it worked, it worked really well. Um, but I realized about maybe a year and a half in that I'm not being very efficient here with my business. And I am utilizing way too much space there's so much space sitting all the time, empty, that's not being used because we were either on one side or the other. Also, the light in the other in our boutique was just pretty poor compared to our studio. So after some <laughs> deliberation and, and also I had been on a, on a journey to, to understand, too, the intricacies of the efficiency of my business. I think what kind of once you get to a certain point in your in your sales, you start to look at how can I maximize my business without having to push myself harder. Mm-hmm. And that that that's where I was. I was at maximum capacity. I couldn't possibly do any more. And I also I wanted to be happier. I didn't want to have to work quite as hard. So in about a year and a half in, I realized, okay, I need to let go of this space and utilize my one studio space. So our studio space, it's just over 1200 square feet, like it's a good size. So what we've done recently, we actually just completed it like a week ago, all the walls in my studio came out. It's now one big open space with a storage area and a change room. And uh, we lifted the ceilings up. So the light is just stunning. And now what we do, we have all of our dresses on racks in the in the studio. And it operates as a bridal boutique the majority of the time. But when we have photo shoots, these dresses will be just wheeled, wheeled off to the side mm. and kind of stored in their own little area. And then it suddenly becomes a portrait studio. And we can we can do the switch in under 10 minutes. So it's a very it's a wonderful use of our space. The space is 10 times more beautiful because we're now just putting all our effort into one versus two. Far more effective for me uh, business-wise over the long run because we're obviously not leasing two spaces. But also, Nikki, what's wonderful is we're seeing the ideal client for our wet, our bridal boutique that I want to photograph. So this is the really cool thing is when people walk into our bridal boutique, we're mostly calling a boutique for now, uh, on the right-hand side, we have our reveal wall. And so people can see our portrait work when they come for bridal. So it definitely is an incredible cross-promotion of businesses that we can now say this is also where we host these beautiful portrait sessions. This is what our, our sessions look like. It just creates that conversation. Whereas before, when we were in the bridal boutique next door, it was more difficult to give people the understanding of what that could look like because the spaces were so different.
0: That's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. And like you said, it becomes natural conversation because the photos are just right there you know, people could ask about them. And especially, you know, when you're walking into a store and maybe the friends or the family of the bride is, you know, they're waiting while the, the bride is trying on her dresses. And then, you know, yep. it, it's something they can talk about. Like, ooh, look at these,
1: <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yes, exactly. So that's our, that's kind of the goal is to to bring up our portrait sessions and to to, to talk about them while well. because we always need something to talk about. We're with the the bridal party and it's always a private appointment. We never have more than one going on at a time. So we're talking with them for a good hour and a half. We get to know each other really well. And so it's a beautiful way to build a relationship and also potentially book them as another client. So I'll be interested to see how it works actually like like this, if it makes a big difference.
0: Do you do any sort of like vouchers or anything to your brides or mothers of the bride or, you know, is it just if you want to book a shoot, here's our information. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So if they purchase, if they, well, what we're putting into place, uh, if they purchase uh, their wedding dress through us, they'll receive, uh, their deposit towards a portrait session and they can give it to somebody if they want, if they're not going to use it or they could utilize it for them for themselves. So our deposit, we've kind of done some restructuring in the, is. Since the health crisis, so our deposit is now three hundred and twenty-five dollars, and so that will go towards the collection of their their choosing if they want to. So, it is it is a bit of a just a little bit of a help to to get them through the door if they choose to do that.
0: Yeah, that's so smart. That's so smart. Do you have? I mean, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but would you be able to guess sort of a percentage of your clients who come, you know, become clients because of the boutique?
1: Well, because we now have them in the boutique, Nikki, I think it might be, yeah, golly, I'm not, I don't know how I would be able to guess that from what we've done before. I mean, it it is a lower amount because people are coming for a very different reason Mm -hmm. and they're also putting their money into a wedding, but we do get lots of inquiries for boudoir. So there is that element to it. it. It has gone the other way, too, where we've had people for portrait photography, and now they turn into our bridal clients. So I, I, love, I love that you asked that question, and I'm going to keep track of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. really curious. Well, it, and it's interesting. It's like you're doing business-to-business marketing, but it just happens to be both of your businesses, <laughs> yeah that's so, right, yeah yeah that's right, <laughs> so that's really, really cool. It makes me you know start to think like, hmm, what other business could I bring in that yeah. would? yeah, oh, this is so cool. I want to go back for a second when you talk about the efficiency and how something that you've had really yes. worked hard on is the efficiency, and I'd love to hear more about that. That's something that I've been working on as well is is how to make the most out of my time and my energy and 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 i'm wondering if you if you'll talk a little bit more about that like how that has helped your business or helped you in general
1: when i'm mentoring students now i talk about it as a growth phase and a pruning phase and i think that if you think of your business like a tree your tree can just keep growing and growing and growing but when you prune a tree is when it just it becomes this this dense, beautiful thing that's producing potentially lots of fruit. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not growing. It just means that you're you're making it more more efficient, more dense. Uh, so you're getting more out of it for for less for less essentially less space or less of your time. For me, I definitely got to the point where, okay, it's either I add more people to my team, I did try bringing on another photographer, I realized how much work that was going to be to mentor and coach and push, push that forward. And Sue said to me when we were at this coaching group that you and I were at, Nikki, she said, if I were to do it all over again and I were to start out, I would start out super boutique and I would... Push myself to the point where I couldn't take on any more and have people working to promote me versus building out a team. And, and at that point, then decide kind of thing what would happen. And but anyway, the word boutique was something that just set off fireworks in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I started researching more what boutique meant because I always thought of it as a noun. But if you think of boutique as a verb, it's creating something that is so special and highly, highly desired. That you don't need a lot of it to be satisfied. It's just super special. So, uh, for me, the way the best way forward for me personally with my energy, and I know what I feel best taking on. It was to create something where I could work minimally, I could put out the best work I could possibly do and have the most amount of profit coming back to me because of it versus putting all of that out just into small things that were just eating up my, my time and space.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It's, it's, it's such a mental shift. It really it is. is. And also, Also, Nikki, I started researching
1: a while back, how do you sell a business? And what does that mean when you sell a business? Because I, I've always I've started thinking long-term as well, because I think once you get to a certain point as well, you think, okay, well, I've retirement and I've got to keep myself safe and all these things. And, and so I started researching what it means to actually sell your business. Something that was quite prominent in my brain was they said, the more valuable you become inside your business, the less valuable your business becomes. At the end of the day, because it's really, really hard to sell a business when they the business is completely dependent on your talent. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the bridal the bridal business, it allowed me something where I, I'm one day going to be able to sell that mm-hmm. and now I'm going to be able to sell it as a boutique and studio to another photographer. Whereas my photography business, that, that name goes with me. Like it's going to die with me. It's, it's me. I can't sell myself. So it, I had to kind of turn, turn the way I, I looked at business to be more of a what is my job and what is the business that i'm i'm growing and so now i look at photography this is a wonderful this is a wonderful job for myself i love it i can you know produce savings and and put some into investing and then my business is my investment so one day i will be selling the boutique and studio and most likely it's going to go to a, a wedding photographer hoping to turn into a portrait photographer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. That seems like a good meshing of the two worlds. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is all so powerful. And, and it, I'm, I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I never knew that part of it. I mean, I've been watching your growth and I've been watching how, you know, you opening this, the boutique and everything, but I never really thought about what you had said about, setting it up as a business to sell there have been times when I thought I, I thought because now that I'm in Michigan I go back and forth like is it is it worth me keeping my Seattle studio open and I do have an associate mm-hmm. photographer there which is so wonderful and she does do shoots for me sometimes but like you said it's all built everything is built and it's me you know it's my name and, yeah. and a lot of times people yeah. are like nope I want to wait for you and the, and there's yes. times where I'm like well I'm not even gonna, like especially right now I was supposed to be doing all of these shoots end of March, first week of May, all in Seattle, and I couldn't go. So my studio yeah. has sat there. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm paying studio rent there. Anyway, I'm totally going off on, you know, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> but the point that you made is, yes, my business is all, it's all me. It's all my name. So mm-hmm. the the thought of selling that sort of branch in Seattle, I don't I don't know that it's even possible. So yeah. it's interesting to hear you and talk th- about this.
1: Yeah. And the thing is that it's, I think it works differently for different people. And I think having, I think it, it's completely fine to not want or to not have a business that you could one day sell and just you know work yourself work through through your lifetime and and save appropriately and whatnot but for me there was this i think i think i just wanted to know that i could do it. Maybe that was my, my thing. Like I wanted to have something that if I was going on holiday, it could keep running without me easily without having to have someone with this like really strong skill set to be able to take on these port. Cause let's admit it like portrait photography, it takes a really talented person and, and people like you say, Nikki, they want you. And that's the hard thing when your name is on your business mm-hmm. is they want you. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's an interesting journey.
0: Your boutique is called White Willow. Is that right? White, White Willow Bridal Boutique. Yes. Yeah. White Willow. Cause, cause that's something that could easily be transferred into like White Willow Photography or something as, as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. So when it comes to the day that we do look at selling it, it will be White Willow Bridal Boutique and Studio. And then whoever takes that on will be able to take it in whatever direction they want to as a studio space type thing. And, and hopefully by then it has this, it obviously like the space itself or where it is itself has this. People understand that there's a beautiful photography studio there and it will amplify the value of, of what that business is. Right. And also Nikki, just to speak to efficiency again and why efficiency is so important. So looking through my research, um, when it comes to selling a business, your efficiency is what really matters when it comes to placing the value on the sale of the business. I mean, the efficiency, yes, but also the brand. So the brand of the business, but also the what is left over at the end of the day that is going to make it worth it for someone to say, yes, this is worth it for me to invest into this business. So the more efficient I can make the business and the more profitable I can make the business when it comes time to the day that one day... I sell it, the, mo- the most that I'm going to be able to get out of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, it's so brilliant. There, a couple thoughts on that. One is when you say about making it the most prof- profitable, and Sue talks about this a lot too, where yes. you don't need all the bells and whistles. I think people think you need this huge wardrobe and all the like amazing frame, you know, gold accent frames on the wall and all of that. And, and if you have the money for it and you want to spend it and that's, you know, valuable to you, then sure, do it. But I'm I'm in the the same mindset as you where it's like nope, I I don't need all of that because that is not what is making my business profitable. I know my strengths and my strengths are service, my ability yes. to make people feel beautiful and and to create beautiful photos for people that are flattering that are going to help with their marketing to help make them, you know, to have family legacies whatever. So all of that I know it's not the sequin dress. It's not the super fancy makeup table. Yes, it's so beautiful and I love all of those things <laughs> and they're drool-worthy or whatever, but that's not what is making me money. So regardless of whether or not you're setting your business up to sell or whatever, it's just to be efficient and to be the most profitable while providing this service to your clients, it just that seems like the ultimate goal.
1: Yes, I completely, I completely agree, Nikki. And I can definitely say that I'm probably one of the most minimalist photographers around. I, I have two cameras, two lenses, and then I, I I utilize still the same things that Sue initially taught before she even started teaching same. with lighting. Yeah, and I I like it that way. Like I do need to push myself and learn about the lighting, but at the same time, it hasn't slowed me down at all. Not having all those things. But yeah, I think the the value definitely for me comes from my ability to serve and my ability to make people happy and feel beautiful and feel special and to give them a really beautiful experience. But you you definitely don't need... You don't need all these fancy things to get started by any means.
0: Right, right, for sure. The other thing I was thinking is it never occurred to me to ever want to sell my business until I moved back to Michigan and I saw how it was just getting mm. labor intensive, going back and forth and paying for the studio there and still. So that's the first time that ever really crossed my mind. And yeah, I don't know, I'm going to have to do some serious evaluation around all of this. And you know, And I have another brand that I've started... Well, although, okay, so I wonder if you're similar to me, and I think a lot of people out there are probably going to relate to this. It's like I I feel like I have a decade. I have a decade that I'm so interested and passionate about something, and then it's like that decade ends, and I'm like, huh, I kind of feel like I'm ready to do something else. And then you know, I'm (laughs) I'm finding this like 10-year sort of – And it's not that I completely let go of what I was doing before. I integrate that into my next, what am I doing next sort of thing? What am I passionate about now? And what can I grow now? And so the idea at some point, like you said, we're going to have to retire, I mean, we can't Mm -hmm. be slinging a camera when we're 80. I mean, I guess we could, you know, we could, but, you know, I don't know that I'll want to be.
1: You want it to be on your terms eventually, right? You want to be able to pick up a camera when you want to at some point. So when I think
0: about, like, I have another brand that I started busy as a mother and I'm like, huh, Mm. you know, it's not really photography related at all, all, but I'm like, huh, I wonder if something that in the end, it's not necessarily my name. I'm growing it as a different brand, just like you are with White Willow. So as yeah. people progress and look for change and growth and planning, yes. I think that's so important as business owners, even if you're just getting started, you know, to really, okay, I don't want to overwhelm people because I think people out there who are just getting started now are probably thinking like, what the hell, <laughs> seriously, I'm just getting here. <laughs> don't make me think about like retirement and stuff. So, so that's not where I'm yeah. going with this. But I do think as business owners, these are things we have to think about. We don't get pensions. We don't get, you know life insurance handed to us and health insurance handed to us. So we do have to think about investment in our long-term future. And I think this is a really good discussion to have.
1: We do. And you know what, Nikki, I feel like potentially had I had thought more fully about this to begin with, which is why it's kind of great for people to be hearing about this stuff right now is that you might rethink of the strategy of how you build your business from the start, because we know we have several friends, you and I, that that own multiple studios. They've built the business on a brand that's outside of themselves. And it, it's super powerful and and people can do it that way and if that's the business you love and like you love the business of portrait photography I think people can make a real go of it but for me I love the job of photography I wasn't as in love with the business around building this massive studio I just love doing it myself (laughs) but i love the business of being in in bridal like i i just love it it's it's so much fun and uh, just a completely different world and like you Nikki i've got some online online business that i'm building too and i think that's another avenue that you can really you can really start to to push yourself in, and it's never ending. Like the gla- it's a glass ceiling with with online business. So, mm-hmm.
0: and then also too, it seems like like a lot of my photography clients have transitioned into like listening to my Busy as a Mother podcast. And it's like whatever you grow, as long as you are providing service to mm-hmm. your clients, whether it's your portrait business or your past business that you're you know getting out of or whatever that is, you know, an old job, mm-hmm. as long as you are providing great service and connecting with these people and making them clients for life, often they'll follow you into your next endeavor.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, and people love to watch what you're going to do. They love to they love to be a part, they'd love to feel like they're they've been a part of your journey because they just want to go on the ride with you and yeah it's it's not starting over mm-hmm. it's just adding it's adding on like i'm a, i'm a person of expansion like i'm constantly expanding mm-hmm. I feel a bit like the universe in that way and i just have to answer i have to answer that but i'm also doing it now in a very I'm trying to do it as smart as I can because I know that about myself. I know I'm going to always be growing and evolving, but I also have to be super smart to remember that the things that I have built, you don't want to lose, you don't want to lose the the momentum that they are having either.
0: Right, right. That That's a very important point. I remember Sue talking about that before. You don't want to like kill something in order to grow something new, like something that is something you're doing really well with, even though maybe you're looking for a, a transition. For example, if you're out there right now and you're looking to do a job change, like don't feel like you have to just all of a sudden start sucking at the job that you're doing or whatever just so you can grow this business. Like keep doing what you're doing and do it well if that's your source of income and whatever as you're growing the business. You don't have to like destroy things in order to grow something new. You can do it in a, in a smart, graceful way it just makes it so much better that way.
1: I think like Sue is the the walking example of that. like she's still she's still doing what she loves, but her expansion and her growth, she's done it all very thoughtfully. yeah, I, I really admire how Sue's, who's, how Sue has built her business and how she's
0: continuing to evolve. It's pretty amazing to watch. Do you remember what year it was that we were at dinner when I was like, "Emily, you can <sighs> do this? that workshop? Oh uh,
1: man, I think it must've been about 2015, 2016. It might've been, yeah, it's at least five years because right. I've had my studio for five years. So, okay, so it's probably just over five years.
0: Yeah. So I, I just, I, I want to bring that back up because in that, in that sp- time, you know, at that dinner at Sue's workshop, I know you were really inspired, but you were still scared and you, and you still needed that push. So getting that push that weekend, just from everything you learned I mean, Mm -hmm. five years later, you've got a bridal boutique and and you have like a $2,500 sales average for photos or is it even higher than that?
1: No, I would say it's a, I was trying to work this out before I got on the call. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't done this in a while. I think it's about $3,900
0: $3,900. $3,900, Emily.
1: That's for our signature, that's for our signature sessions. So
0: in five years, you have managed to create an incredibly successful, not one but two businesses. So people out there listening just know that it, it's possible. It doesn't have to – obviously, a lot happened within that five years, of course. Tons, yes. But I just yeah. – I think you're. it's just such an inspiring thing for people to hear that within only five years, look what you've accomplished. Yeah,
1: I think that we can definitely – we can overestimate what we can do in a year and we can underestimate what we can do in five years. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if you were to say it, I would have accomplished all this in five years. I, I wouldn't have believed you, but five years, like you, if you can make traction in, in that timeframe for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And you've done it. You're living proof. So, ah, oh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Nikki. Like the,
1: the area that I'm in, when I moved here from Dawson Creek, which is a very small town uh, and the, the town that I'm in now, we're a population of about 75,000 people, but we're quite remote in the north. Um, we're kind of the northern hub of BC. And I remember people saying to me, Emily, this isn't going to fly here. Like, you can't do this here. People aren't going to, like, we don't buy luxury or, or whatever the excuses were. And But for me, coming from such a small town... I was able to see this as a huge potential and I was able to kind of maybe see things that people who had lived here their whole life weren't able to see. And it, it is, it's amazing. I think sometimes you just have to show people what they want and, and they're going to buy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you love it and you believe in its value and how powerful it is and that it's going to change the way they perceive themselves and how they approach life. I mean, it, anywhere would love something like this no mm-hmm. matter where you are.
0: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Wow. Well, you've definitely given me a lot of food for thought. So this this has been really great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nikki. Okay. So I do have a couple other questions that I ask everyone at the end of the episode. Number one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? So
1: I was trying to think of this and I was like, well, obviously the basic stuff, but I have to have a Coke Zero with me. (laughs) I don't know why. Like, it's not, I mean, that's it, not going to help anybody. But um, if I don't have that, like, I don't know. I just need to have that little zap of, of energy <laughs> during yep. a shoot. Yeah. And uh, people know they're like, oh, Emily's whipping out the Coke Zero. Like, we're getting we're getting serious now.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. Are you a coffee drinker? No, I, I don't drink same. coffee. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm the same. And I my Diet Coke is my vice. And I really only drink it, like, on a shoot day or, like, yes. you know, I try not yep. to keep it in my house. Like, it's very, I know it's bad. I don't know it tells me how horrible it is and I get that Um, but it's so (laughs) funny because I am the same like shoot shoot days I always go through a drive-thru like Einstein bagels or something and get a large Diet Coke I don't I don't know and I don't (laughs) drink coffee either Sue always laughs at me whenever we travel or whatever she knows like um, it's for me it's not coffee it's a Diet Coke always yep Yep. Same
1: Nikki. Oh, that's so funny that you share that with me. Yeah. That is exactly my, my case with it too.
0: Yeah. One of my makeup (laughs) artists is always like, you gotta stop the Diet Coke. And I'm like, I know, can you just not shame (laughs) me right now? Like, please (laughs) give me my one thing. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Okay. Number two, how do you spend your time when you're not working?
1: Yeah. So when I'm not working, uh, my husband and I, we're, we're quite outdoorsy people. We have a chocolate lab. Um, we have a little baby on the way. Yay, so I, I mean, we've so been spending exciting. a lot of time thinking about that. My, my family now has this small little acreage, well, it's a small 20 acre acreage down in Salmon Arm. And I love spending my time there. So we're, we're typically outdoors and canoes or hiking or with our animals down on the farm. Like I am definitely an outdoorsy girl. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Okay, number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote?
1: Ah, so, I mean, I love quotes. I absolutely love them. But the one that's kind of drilled into my brain is actually a quote that my dad stands behind. It's like his life, life quote. And it's half an effort is no better than no effort at all.
0: Mm, mm Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. So that that was drilled into me since I was very young. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome.
0: Go, Dad. Yeah. Go, Dad. <laughs> okay, number four. What would you say to people who are just getting started?
1: Oh, man. I would just say don't stop. Just keep going. There's going to be so many ups and so many downs, and you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. It isn't a nice progressive line slanted up. It's up and down and up and down and up and down. You'll just become resilient to it over time.
0: Great advice. And if people <laughs> want to find you online, where can they find you? Yeah. So, I mean,
1: our Instagram and our website are the same. So, Instagram is whitewillowbridalboutique.ca and emilyjanephotography.ca. And that's the same for our Instagram and our website awesome. You can also find us on Facebook.
0: I encourage people to follow you. It's very, very, very beautifully (laughs) visually done for sure. Thanks, Nikki. Yeah. I feel like I could talk to you all day. Like we need to 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 schedule a time to just like, (laughs) yeah,
1: we do. I would love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right, honey. Well, thank you so much for being on the portrait system today. Uh, we'll, We'll chat soon. Thank you, Nikki. I appreciate it so much. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.